Welcome back. I am so excited that you have joined me again in the Aligned Womb, Aligned You podcast. I'm Kate Nagai, and I am your host and womb guide on this journey. I'm here to help you to lean into the language of your menstrual cycle so that you can align yourself and awaken and activate to your womb wisdom to live the most inspired life. I am so excited to jump into this episode and to dive into today's topic. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Aligned Room Aligned You podcast. I am so excited to have a guest speaker on today to teach me something that I have absolutely no wisdom or knowledge or anything to share on. And it's information that I think is really important because this is a topic that as women, we often don't explore until there is not just a little alarm systems, but really big, massive alarm systems saying, hey, we've got to address this. So today we have Keely Smith joining us. Keely has been working as a physio for over 20 years. Her own experience with pelvic floor injuries has helped her understand the work and patience it takes to get back to feeling like yourself and doing what you used to do, and the fear of making it worse. Her exercise prescriptions, hands-on work, and acupuncture techniques provide an efficient program to get you back to your optimal health. So today is all about the pelvic floor, and I am so excited to jump into this today. Thank you so much for being here, Keely. Thank you, Kate. Hi, everyone. I'm Keely. Looking forward to chatting with you guys about hypopressives. Yes, hypopressives. So it's really interesting because hypopressives, I really don't know much about. Uh, when I was going in my yoga therapy program, we had one other colleague in there. Or I had one other colleague in there who was trained as a hypopressive practitioner. And she was mentioning it to me because I was pregnant with my second. <laughs> and she's like, you should really look into this training. I was like, yeah, I should. And then my baby came and, you know, later on, another baby came <laughs> before you know it. So many years have passed and I've never looked into it. So I'm so excited to talk about the pelvic floor and about hypopressives and what exactly they are. Can you tell us a little bit more about what hypopressives are? Yeah. So basically, hypopressives is the Spanish kind of language for low pressure fitness is kind of what they use and they call it hypopressives. And what it is, is it's a breathing technique. It's three normal breaths, one false inhale. And we'll talk about that in eight different postures. And so really, it doesn't take that long to do. I can get people through it in about eight minutes. And it's an easy routine with no equipment needed um, to work on the automatic function of the pelvic floor contraction and abdominal contraction. So I really want to preface, most times we're talking about Kegel, that's a voluntary muscle function. So 50% of the fibers of your pelvic floor are voluntary. You tell them to work, you do the pelvic contraction or the Kegel. But the other 50%, which you think of in cough, laugh, sneeze, sexual function, jumping, you know, emptying your bladder, emptying your bowel, those should work automatically. And we didn't have a training system for them until hypopressives came along, actually. So now I have a much better tool to work with those automatic functions or teach someone how to retrain their automatic function with hypopressives, again, which is breathing. And that's where, if you haven't heard or learned that pelvic floor research is now looking at like how it moves with the breath, right? So okay. this is more around that newer concept if you haven't heard of it before. Yeah, and I've always, well, I was taught that 
just like how we have a breathing diaphragm, we have another diaphragm in our pelvis. And so they yes. work in sync with one another. So when we breathe into our lungs and we're moving that diaphragm down to press onto our abdominal and organs down there, the other diaphragm in our pelvis is also pushing downwards. And so it's really interesting now that I'm cognitive of it, of like a lot of times in some practices are like pulling your pelvic floor when this, and it doesn't make sense because it doesn't feel right. And now I'm like, ah, I know why it doesn't feel right. Yeah, you got it. And yeah, and I do want to preface, like there's all different types of breathing that can help the pelvic floor. This is just one style. And you said you might not have heard of it, but if you have been in yoga and some people have been in yoga and heard the term Uddiyana Bandha, Mm -hmm. which is the false inhale. So again, that false inhale, when they researched it, because they started doing it in Spain in 1998 is kind of where this research came from. By doing this false inhale, they stuck vaginal probes up women. They measured it decreases abdominal pressure. It causes the automatic contraction of the pelvic floor and abdomen. It causes organ contraction, which is really great when we think of how do we bring nutrition and movement and motility to our organs. And it also increases blood flow. So they use the, the Doppler ultrasound to show how it increases blood flow. So you can see this can impact a lot of things in the pelvic floor. Again, that Kegels may or may not be able to. Mm-hmm. And can you go a little bit more into what the false exhalation might look like or feel like in the body yeah. and what exactly it is? Yeah. So sometimes when it's seen on video, so if you start Googling <laughs> hypopressives, you'll see that it looks like someone's belly comes up and in very deeply. They are, if you're doing a proper false inhale, which is basically an inhale, an exhale, hold your breath, mouth is closed, make sure no air comes in, pretend to take a breath in, you pretend to breathe in, but no air has actually come in, that's a false inhale. Sometimes people, instead of using their rib cage to pretend to take a breath in, they pull in their belly. That's again, overriding the natural reflex that should happen with the rib cage movement. Uh, some people do the false inhale on the breath in instead of the breath out. So they try to breathe in, hold and open again. Um, not quite the same thing. It does have to be at the end of the breath that you hold the breath and do the false inhale. So you have um, low oxygen and a negative pressure. I don't know Makes if sense. Can, Makes it's sense. sometimes a visual thing, but hopefully people yeah, can no. try that at home. <laughs> as you're talking, I'm like, I'm trying to play with my belly as I'm doing it. I can totally visualize it and feel yeah. it. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. And if someone's wondering if it's happening, they can look in the mirror and they'll see almost an indrawing of um, the skin in their collarbone or a little lift under their rib cage. Again, mm-hmm. it doesn't always look as dramatic as you see on <laughs> YouTube and stuff, or um, they tend to portray, unfortunately, thinner people. And so it looks a lot different on someone who has lower body fat fat than someone who doesn't. So then the misconception is, I have to work harder to get it, or that's not enough for it to be useful. Um, But I have to preface that it is. So. So hypopressives and the pelvic floor. Can we go a little bit deeper into the relationship between the two? So hyperpressives being this breathing action, but what is it actually doing to help with pelvic floor health? Yeah. So when they, again, stuck vaginal probes in women as they were doing three normal breaths plus the false inhale, the false inhale measured a very high contraction 
on, say, a biofeedback graph. And it was on level or par to a Kegel contraction. So they've measured the Kegel contraction on a biofeedback and then the false inhale causing a automatic muscular contraction on the same graph. And they are relatively similar. Okay. So that was kind of neat. The second thing that it did is if we think of um, prolapse, so I mean, I do really like hypopressive prolapse. It literally, because it decreases the abdominal pressure, can suck the prolapse back up. Um, and there's a lovely video I show my patients of this. And of course, you know, degree of change for everyone is different, but it, I think it's really fascinating to see that. And then, of course, on MRI, what they show is the change in angle of the bladder neck or elevation of the bladder in relationship to ribs. So they do see that change in height of organs or prolapse on MRI. And then the third cool thing is like this resting tone of the vagina, which sounds kind of weird. There should, should be this natural kind of tension we have, right? Mm -hmm. And when they put a little spring measurement in to measure these women before and after doing their training, the resting tone increased. So when you, you think of like, well, I always have to hold things in or out. No, if we, if we can get that automatic training done, then the tension will just be there. It'll be available to us. Mm -hmm. I think so many of us forget that because we're always thinking, or at least I think most of us women are trained to think of the pelvic floor as this thing that we have to like contract and hold in or constantly doing these Kegels. And it can create over tight. Well, I don't, it's not a technical term, but over tightness in the pelvic floor, like that constant contraction or that constant tightness. And it was really amazing for me to hear from actually my, my teacher for yoga therapy, um, one of the main facilitators, how she was saying that she had too tight of a pelvic floor because of all the like yogic breathing and all the, like the tension that she was taught to create in her yoga practices, that it was really hard for her for deliveries because she didn't know, actually know how to relax her pelvic floor. Like she was always in that really toned state versus being able to be in a resting state. Yeah. And um, some, sometimes we just talk about strength and relaxation, but hypopressives I actually use for pain with sex, tears, all of that, because it just restores the normal tone, we'll say, right? So we don't, mm -hmm. some people who don't um, get that relaxation piece, sometimes this one is an easier one to do to trust that it relaxes the pelvic floor. It also, I find kind of fascially stretches things and there's a little bit more research coming up um, that way in the hypopressos, not a lot, but when we think of endometriosis or other conditions where we want things that are bound down, that we want to have a little bit more movement to, this is one way to really go into our organs when we can't touch them and try to stretch and pull and add blood flow. Mm -hmm. And that's what, what, one thing that came to my mind, not so much with endometriosis, but as I was listening to you talk is how does this apply then to people who have a history of chronic period pain, because mm -hmm. what we know about pain is that when it becomes chronic, it means that we've been in it for repetitive, <laughs> repetitive amount of time. And so after that repetitive time, it's almost like our, our mind and our body remember the pain. And so we instinctually start to prepare for a painful period, even before that pain shows up, which I'm guessing also shows up in our pelvic floor. Yeah. So um, people's pelvic floor on their period can feel completely different than when I see them not on the period. So that's always interesting or was very interesting for me when I started practicing. I do use hypopressives for period pain because it's the only one that can kind of contract and pull in the organs uh, other than like Chinese medicine can address, you know, period pain from the blood flow standpoint, 
Um, visceral therapy, great way to, again, get those. But what can you do as a patient? Like, you know, yes, we can go to these therapies, um, but I always want to make sure my patients are independent and they can kind of do the things they need to do without always having to go. So again, a breathing program that pulls and stretches and presses the organ. And I have had it change people's period pain. Again, not everyone, but it can. I think it's so amazing that something that we really underestimate the power on, we don't really give enough credit to the breath and it's, it's potential to create effects in the body. It's ability to change the body or the mind. And this is essentially what I'm understanding is the central premise around hypopressives is breathing techniques and just using the breath, which doesn't cost any money. (laughs) It's naturally in our body. We don't have to go out and purchase a special breathing machine. Like this is, we just have to know how to manipulate our own breath, which I think I think that in itself is so empowering to know. Yeah. Yeah. So hypopressives and the pelvic floor. Now I know you're a physiotherapist as well. So when you see people, are you using this in conjunction with physiotherapy? Are you, can you do this on your own? I know that you're also trained in many other modalities. So is hypopressives like this thing that you kind of just add into your treatment plan or can people see someone just for hypopressive work? That's a great question. So I think it's lucky that um, Trista Zinn is a personal trainer here in Canada that went to Spain to bring this technique to Canada in 2012. This has been in 1998 in Spain. She had a prolapse. She was, didn't want surgery and she went and found out this technique, did all the training, brought the trainers here to train them and made it open to any trainer, health professional, so that they could pass it on to other people. So you can find on the hypopressive website, trainers who are trained in the hypopressive method, um, physios, trainers, chiropractor. I know in um, Nanaimo, there's a chiro or Comox, I can't remember, but like any, so lots of people have started taking this training. And I have to say, I've gotten the girls here to do the training and they found actually half the course was normal people. So you (laughs) as a person could go and take the course because they were frustrated because they couldn't find a trainer near them. So they're just like, well, I'm going to take this course. And it's great. It's not over the top. It's not like you get to learn about stuff. And if you don't know stuff, there's people there to help you understand it. Right. So it was kind of interesting to her to see that half of the course was not just normal people with issues looking to help themselves yeah what would you say is the top five things that you would use hypopressives to I don't want to say the word treat but to assist in the body's balance to come back into a healthy state so you asked how I fit in my practice I got to start here at EmpowerFit and I got to have control over what I did and I want it to be a mandatory mandatory part for anyone who has a pelvic floor problem that they learn it and they know about it because it's the only technique we have to train the automatic function of the pelvic floor so i whether the person like you know some conditions will maybe do better with hypopressives than others but this is the only one that treats the automatic function of the pelvic floor so i'll teach it to someone and i'll say you know what you can incorporate this however you want but i want you to know about it I want you to learn about it and then you have it as a tool if ever so need it, right? Right. 
because maybe they're like, well, I don't connect with her right now, or my symptoms are better just by doing Kegels. Fine. I want you to know that there's another tool out here that if something didn't help or Kegels didn't help, this is the automatic training for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So honestly, it's taught to everyone that comes in unless they like really don't like it. But I, I mean, I teach a lot of things. I make it a smorgasbord for people and they can kind of choose and intuitively pick what works for them. But since starting here two years ago, it's been nice to be able to make it part of my practice that everyone learns that it's part of the, what we do because breathing, like you said, is so important and people's awareness of their breath, even just learning that is important because sometimes even just changing how they breathe and not doing the hypoprosis will make a dramatic difference in their symptoms, which blows everyone's mind. One thing that you said that caught my attention was tearing, tearing during delivery, because I don't, I don't know what the percentage is, but I know that with all three of my births, I tore and my middle child was only three pounds when she was born. So, and I know that I know particularly with my son, like there was, he came out with his elbow alongside his head. So he needed extra space. So he really did a lot of damage down there. Um, But I know even with him, he was a home birth. And as much as that's what I wanted, I also didn't want to scare my two older children that birth was this crazy thing. So I know myself and my midwife kept saying this, you got to relax. You just got to let it all out through your mouth. And I was like, I can't use my voice. Like I, I need to hold this all in. Um, and so I know I created internal tension by trying not to make sound. And then he just made sure that he really came out with a bang with his elbow coming alongside. But that tearing was intense. And now reflecting, I wish I would have known that there was something like this that I could use as part of my recovery. Although my recovery was pretty good. I tried doing anything and everything that I could humanly think of um, to help that tearing, but this would have been something that was so easy. And, and, and the breath work, I would have never even thought of using my breath as part of my healing protocol for myself. Yeah, no, hypopressis is good. Like say you had a tear. Um, yeah, there's like manual techniques that work, but sometimes with pelvic pain, like to even have your labia touched or your inner leg touch is too sensitive. And so, well, well, how do you do your manual work? How do you help that tear mobility? Well, that's when I use hypopressives because it doesn't hurt, mm-hmm. right? You can do the breath and you can get that internal stretch without someone having to touch you. So sometimes I use like for tearing or for women that don't want internals. It's a really great technique where you don't have to have an internal. You can just be taught a breathing program and you can see what happens to your pelvic symptoms. Mm-hmm. Would you say that hypopressives is another thing to help assist with any kind of tailbone issues? Like I, I know from what you're saying right now, I envision that it's going to help with any kind of scar tissue because once again, the breath's using this way to manipulate the tissue mm-hmm. internally to create that stretch and to create that hydration. But with tailbone issues, which like it's in the, the pelvic floor region, but I don't think a lot of people see the tailbone as part of the pelvic floor. Um, right. I'm going to kind of jump to what you talked about when we're talking about tailbone. Yes. Pelvic floor attaches to the tailbone, right? Runs from yep. the tailbone to the pubic bone. So um, any type of tailbone pain um, can be worked on. And when you're thinking of moving tissue with the hypopressis as well, remember we're in different postures. So we start adding like arm movement and leg movement to pull through those tissues while you're holding the breath as well to create that stretch. 
So yeah, when you're like, well, people don't think of tailbone as pelvic floor and um, you're wondering, well, how do I, how do I know if my pelvic floor is a problem? There is a new screen that's been studied actually. Uh, so it has like empirical evidence that it's a proper screen, not just made up questions that people can check off. <laughs> that uh, is called the Gouvian, uh Pelvic Dysfunction Screening Protocol. So you can Google this because you can find it. And these girls are from the States and they researched, well, how can we ask some questions that actually identify to 98% uh, that someone has a pelvic floor dysfunction? So that just means their muscle is involved with their problem. Okay, so mm -hmm. say you have uterine pain and you want to know if your pelvic floor is involved with your uterine pain, you would go through this questionnaire. Tailbone, same thing, because sometimes it's paraspinals, right? It's not necessarily pelvic floor. You could go through the screen to see, oh, does is my pelvic floor a problem? Back pain, is my pelvic floor a problem with my back pain? Hip pain, is my pelvic floor a problem with my hip pain? So basically, yeah, if you go through the cuisine pelvic dysfunction screen pool and you check three of the things, then that indicates that pelvic floor dysfunction is likely and you should see a pelvic floor therapist to see what you can do about that part of the problem um, for your pelvic muscles. Right, right. Completely makes sense. Now, I already think I know the answer in my head, but if you can share your answer, <laughs> that'd be great. I know like we've talked a lot about this helping with pelvic floor dysfunctions and helping with period dysfunctions, but we haven't really touched on fertility. So how, in your words, I guess, or your experience, has hypopressis really made an impact when it comes to women that are struggling with fertility issues? Yeah, so this was less researched. So I don't have as much information for you on fertility other than the basic concepts of increasing blood flow right? Mm -hmm. If we think of stress affecting fertility, changing your breathing can stimulate the nervous system differently, right? Yeah. And uh, then dealing with, say, pain with sex was stopping you from, you know, having sex and conceiving, then of course, you know, you'd use pelvic floor stuff. Um, but yeah, for hypopressive specifically in fertility, I wish there was more information, but it would be like secondary interpretation, like how do I increase blood flow to my organs? This right. is one of the ways. Right. Do I have specific research for fertility? No. Not really. Well, and you know, honestly, when it comes, oh, at least I, the way I see it and the way I, I feel about it is that anything that's going on in that region, if it is not working harmoniously with our reproductive organs, it's impacting our reproductive organs, right? So if there's anything happening in the, the base of the pelvic floor or in the hips or the tailbone, if we're feeling stuff there, then obviously there's going to be an impact on those reproductive organs. And so it's getting everything to function and communicate with one another and, and to find its place. Like you talked a lot about prolapse, right? And I think sometimes women don't know this about the uterus being too far forward or being too far back or how our organs really sit on top of one another from the bladder to the anus and how it all is like, it's really nicely compacted in there and it fits like a, a perfect little, I always think of those little Ukrainian dolls, like one stacks until like, that's how, how everything kind of fits nicely together in there. And so when something's out of whack, everything kind of goes a little disjointed in that, in that yeah, soft you, tissue area. Yeah. I think of the ligaments that attach from the uterus to the obturator muscle, which is the pelvic floor. Of course, tension 
could in the pelvic floor could pull on the uterus, which would then affect blood flow to the uterus and how the hormones are being produced and and so on. So yeah, like secondarily, could I say hypopressives help fertility by changing tension, blood flow, and pressure? Yeah. But unfortunately, there's not any direct research at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm going to draw a little bit of what I know a little bit of you in here, which isn't necessarily about hypopressives, but I think this is fascinating. So you were first trained as a, as a physiotherapist and then was it a pelvic floor? Like, did you go right into pelvic floor where you just drop and just, okay. And then you went to specialize in pelvic floor. Yes. And then you also have, so you have the, um, hypopressives, but you also are, a practitioner in one of the techniques that I always ask women to seek out and follow. And when I was researching, trying to find people in Edmonton that were teaching this, I was surprised to find you a physiotherapist that you were trained in Mayan abdominal massage therapy. Yes. And so I think it's when you're talking about hyperpressives and when I think about my experience receiving Mayan abdominal massage, I think they beautifully go well together. Like, I feel like they are really like sister techniques in some ways. Can you talk a little bit about the relationship between those two practices? Yeah, I was super excited when um, the course was offered here in Alberta and not just the one course, both, so we could do and complete both. And you're right, physios don't usually attend this. I was one of another physio from the US that came to learn this technique. So that was exciting to just have another brain thinking from a physio standpoint and what we're experiencing on the course and talking about how it could help people um, was super great as well. So yeah, it's definitely, do they overlap? I liked mind massage because it was another home technique that mm -hmm. patients could do to themselves. And maybe say someone doesn't connect with the hypopressive breathing and they just want to be given some soothing, like self-care techniques that help improve blood flow intention to the organs in the pelvic floor and mind and knowledge is such a lovely lovely technique and again same time frame it doesn't take too long to do it's really beautiful um yeah so that one i don't know if it stimulates the automatic contraction of the pelvic floor yeah. <laughs> but it certainly increases the blood flow so well and I, like really important <laughs> What I think is nice is when I remember, and it's been years since I've received a treatment, like it was when I was trying to conceive my own daughter, is that like it was something that was a technique isolated to helping my pelvic floor, my uterus, that for my reproductive organs to thrive, right? Front and back body. So right. it was like this tool that was very isolated in it. And was manipulating those tissues. But now when I think about the fact that if I would have had that experience and be able to do it, but then also having a breathing technique that I could take home and also layer that on as extra work. Like, I just think that that is such, like I said, they almost like your sisters, they're not identical, but they can really support one another and are just Definitely. these simple yeah. tools to layer into the experience yeah. of healing. Yeah. Super supportive, like another way, like you said, to access your body and treat it. And uh, very interesting because when you do the back treatment, you're stimulating the sacral nerve roots, which from Chinese medicine or treatments, you know, research that I've done around that, those sacral nerve roots, we do a, there's a research study stimulating the sacral nerve roots with electric stim that helps basically any pelvic problem. So now you have a nice massage technique that most people don't get their tailbone massage or, you know, the nerve stimulated or worked on in a way to like facilitate 
that stimulation. So that's really great. That's what I loved about the Mayan massage. It's not just the front technique because I have lots of people that need the abdomen released Mm -hmm. (laughs) to help their pelvic tension. Um, But just that back technique, giving another piece to people who maybe don't like needles, right? Mm -hmm. Who maybe are just exhausted and they just need someone to, you know, help support their body as they go into the next phase when they can become active in their treatment. So, yeah. One thing I'm really loving about this conversation is, and we talked a little about this before we hopped on and started recording was just that I think so many women that I know of, and I, I do see this changing, which is a beautiful thing, but there's been this space where a lot of women just know that they have dysfunction down there that whether it is birth trauma, whether it is fertility trauma, whether it is just painful, irregular, whatever kind of cycles, but we, as women, we go in with these symptoms and we're hoping to get information to help us find a resolution to our issues. And often we're told that there's really nothing, right? Like that's like, it's unknown. It's this world of like mystery. We don't have any idea how we can help you. And not all the time, but we are seeing that a lot of women are referred to like surgeries or birth control or just left on their own to go on some kind of medication, whether that's be Advil or whatever, just to be able to survive. And what I'm what I'm reflecting on from this conversation, whether it be hypopressives, whether it be pelvic floor physiotherapy, whether it be myan abdominal massage, is that there's now this awareness for women that there are these tools that don't have to leave you in the state of unknown or brokenness, right? Like we have these tools that we can't guarantee that they're going to make a change, but at least it's a tool for you to start to use on your own in your home. That is simple that we can start to play with. Doesn't cost money. Yeah. That doesn't cost that much money. And a lot like with the beautiful thing. And I love this is that you layer all this into your treatments is that like, a lot of us do have coverage for physiotherapy, right? So we can learn these tools and we can, well, at least if you're in Canada, I shouldn't say that for anyone that's listening other places in the world, but it's really beautiful that we're starting to see that, no, you know what you don't. And I always say this, like doctors are amazing and we need them, but we have to treat them as consultants as well. Right. And so when we don't get the support or the info or the resolution that we were hoping for, not to just close the door and say, I have to, I have to survive like this. I just have to like live in this pain for the rest of my life until I hit menopause and then hopefully it'll be better. Right. Like I'm so happy that we're starting to see this emergence of these tools and these resources and these practices that are starting to put the power back in women's hands of trusting that they can bring balance or vitality or health into their womb space, their pelvic floor, however you want to refer it. Yeah. Yeah, the changes like there's, uh, again, from the Cozian group, they talk about in the last 10 years for public health, the changes that have happened and the research that has happened is crazy. Like Mm -hmm. I started in 2009 and the tools that I had for my births weren't even available when I had my births. Like all the things like you said, I wish I had this. I mean, women were already saying it, but I'm saying it is only 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it's changed so much that we have so much more information now that even if you think of five years ago, you weren't given an answer, there might be an answer now, right? Mm -hmm. So that's, 
that's super crazy when we think research usually takes 17 years. It's been super fast in pelvic floor, plus the new young pelvic PTs are getting very social and on social media and spreading that word more and more. Um, when I started, there was only nine pelvic floor physios in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Now there's like over 50 for sure. Yeah, at least. Yeah. And that is so amazing. I I love this new generation of women that are coming into their power here because like I'm in my forties and now witnessing and having friends who have teenage daughters and seeing their teenage daughters are like, I'm not accepting this. Like I'm looking for answers. Like there is like this new empowerment that I'm just loving about seeing women going, no, I'm not accepting this for my health for the rest of my life. Like there's gotta be better options. Give me some, give me some options and let me explore. So it's beautiful to see the shift that's happening in the world right now. So Yes. Well, Keely, this has been a really great conversation. I have loved learning about hyperpressives. I am so curious to dive a little bit deeper into understanding them and maybe even going to learn a little bit more for my own body and to using this practice because I, I just can see so many different ways that therapeutically it can help. It'll be such yeah. a great tool, such a great tool. So I like to end these calls with a womb led tip. Do you have a womb led tip for our audience today? So my womb-led tip is start to pay attention to your breath. So even as you take a breath in and you take a breath out, see if the ribs fall down like an umbrella. See where you breathe into your back or your chest or your side ribs. And yeah, start to breathe differently. I love it. I'm so going to re-listen to that and continue to practice that. That's great. Thank you. And if anyone wants to learn more about what you're doing, where you're working, what you're offering out into the world, how can they find you? Yeah, I work at Fox Club Wellness, which is by Bonnie Dune Mall, uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I work Monday, Wednesday, Fridays here in Sherwood Park at EmpowerFit. And uh, there is some online classes that I have taught as a guest instructor on Heart and Bones Yoga. So if you happen to be access to that, that's another way as well. Perfect. Thank you so much. And all of her links are going to be added into the show notes below. So go and check out her work and where you can find her um, and start working on this pelvic floor health. It's and hypopressives to change our relationship to how we are feeling when it comes to the pelvic floor. Yeah. Newer stuff that we know training the automatic stuff that is different than what we knew before. Yes. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kate. Are you excited about aligning to your cycle? If so, make sure that you subscribe to this podcast and like the episode if it really resonated with you. Until next time, remember, womb wisdom equals connection to self, which ultimately equals inspired.